Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We know we had a moment last week, and it was an amazing moment, and next week we've got Mother's Day, and we're going to be kicking off a series straight after that. So I just wanted to encourage us, and speaking to a big value, a big, something you'll hear about a lot in the life of this church and from this pulpit, it's called the kingdom of God. And I could never do it justice to try to give all aspects and full well-rounded teaching around the kingdom of God, but it's something you'll hear about from the preachers, from people praying about God, your kingdom come. We sing songs about your kingdom come. And I want to give you something of a picture, something of a handle to understand our role in that process of his kingdom coming. I was reminded uh, years and years ago, um, some of you think never, but I used to play rugby and, and I enjoyed it. I wasn't the biggest chap in the world to play, but I enjoyed it. And we were winning a game and I clearly remember the moment where that turned. And, and we were way ahead and Agasta ran through, scored a try and it was like fear came into the team. And all of a sudden, instead of being actively involved in defending your line, going for the ball, taking ground, you become somewhat defensive. You step back into this kind of passive defensiveness. And all of a sudden, the opposition knows they can break through the line. They can feel it. And I think, as I was contemplating this world, I think sometimes there's just too much passive defensiveness in the church. You know, the church wasn't created to be safe. The church wasn't created to be passively defending our lines. Hold the line, church. Hold the line. No, we weren't called to hold the line. We were called to advance the kingdom of light into the areas of darkness of this world. We were called to step beyond the safe zones and step into the brokenness, the darkness. But we're never going to do that if we are fixated on holding the line. See, the challenge is sometimes the enemy gets through the line. Maybe through a miscarriage. Maybe through pain. Maybe through circumstances. Maybe through financial difficulties, economic tough times, whatever the situation, there are moments where the enemy might seem to break through the line and the challenge is if we take our posture from a front-footed, active involvement in advancing, we step into a passive defensive mode. We're on the back foot. We are not strong to hold the line or even advance. And I think sometimes that happens in the church is that we forget our mandate to advance the kingdom of light, to be advancing the kingdom of God, and we step onto the back foot, we lose our strength and our ability to advance, and we start to passively hold. Maybe that's not you, but I want to speak into something of that this morning, and something called pressing in, pressing into God, pressing into His kingdom, pressing into Him, because I think it's an active role. It's not a passive thing. It won't just happen with time. Well, if I just stick around the church... If I just hang around church, go to church, I'll be advancing the kingdom. And sometimes there's these misnomers, these thoughts. It's, well, what is the kingdom of God? Because the Bible sometimes speaks about the kingdom of heaven. To me, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven advancing. And it's where God's rule, his reign, his authority exists. And we'll make statements like, well, the kingdom of God has come in my business. Yes. Maybe that doesn't make sense to you, but I want to position that. Maybe the kingdom of God came in my family. The kingdom of God came into the brokenness of a situation where God took me into. Yes. But one misnomer, one misleading thought is that I get saved 
And if I stay in the church, in the kingdom of the church, I'm participating in the kingdom of God. And I want to tell you, the, king, the kingdom of the church is amazing. The kingdom of church is awesome. The kingdom of church is the front pinnacle, a spear piece for the kingdom of God. But it's not the entirety of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is far broader. God will have his purposes and he will advance. Sometimes, maybe even where churches don't exist because he's God. It's about where his authority comes. His kingdom comes. And there's a man... I encountered named Howard Schneider. He said, the church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. I want to see the world changed. And when I look at Jesus, I look at the price he paid for his bride, I look at the spirit he gave to his church and he placed inside of his church, I've got to say there's something amazing about what he's done in the church, but it's not just for the church. It's for the kingdom of God that is broader. It's where God wants to break into the darkness, where he wants to bring light, where there was no light before. And he wants to use you and I in his story. That's why he calls us the church. It's a big story. It's a big thing. It's, it's positioning a big, big, big reality. George Alden Laird, just to give you something of a, of a definition of the kingdom of God, is his kingship, his rule, his authority, it's not a realm or a people, but it's God's reign. Does that make sense? God will be advancing his kingdom. He'll be taking ground. Sometimes, beyond the four walls of the church, and I hope most of the time, more and more and more, stepping into those areas. But what did Jesus proclaim? He said, from the time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the first thing is repent. It's a call to wake up, understand, it's the SMS or the email or the call you get from your tax consultant when tax season comes and the deadline's arriving. It's kind of, repent, pay your taxes. A little bit different, but a stretch. But there's an awareness and a waking up. I think Jesus calls us to remember, to awaken, to respond to him and to his kingdom. He says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a deadline, there's a moment, there's a coming. I want to explain a little more, so stay with me. And then Jesus carried on in John 19 says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's trying to show, he's trying to reveal to his disciples and to those around him what his kingdom is because it's so different. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' kingdom is a very real yet very spiritual kingdom. It operates on a different currency, a currency of faith. It operates on a different timeline, the timeline of heaven, the timeline that God determines, and a totally different set of guidelines, Jesus' way versus the world's way. And the kingdom of God is a grid. As if I would tell you what is the kingdom of God to me, it's a grid of the way I see life, the way I see the call of life, the way I even process other theologies. I process them through a kingdom of God grid. Because I can sometimes get in trouble if I take the kingdom of God out of that story. Thanks, but if I take the kingdom of God out of that story and I have a grid, even just a grid of healing, and we're going to talk about healing a little later, but if healing is my grid and I take scriptures and I post them to a healing grid, I think we miss something, something big. Jesus came back and he spoke to his disciples for 40 days after he came back to earth. He had 40 days to talk. Tells us in Acts. Just 40 days. What does he say? He says he came back and for 40 days he spoke about the kingdom of God. It's a big issue. 
And I think the reason it takes so much time is it's so different to our world. Let me give you some examples. One of the things Jesus came, he came and in his age, if I just didn't like Wayne for today and I wanted him kicked out of the city for today, for a day, I would spit on him. If I spat on someone in that age, they would be sent out of the town for a day until they were clean and then they could re-enter the town. That's the way of the world. That's the worldview. If you were part of society at that time, that's what you would believe. What does Jesus come? He says, actually, I'm going to come. I'm going to encounter a blind man, and I'm going to spit in his eye so that the kingdom of God can come, and healing comes, and sight comes. So different. The problem is we don't understand sometimes. The problem is we don't get it. So he tells us in stories. He gives us little stories, little feeders for us to understand how the kingdom of God is so different. Another one. What about the 12 lepers? Jesus encounters 12 lepers. In that time, they would have had to wear bells and announce to people anywhere near them, I am unclean. And they were to live in leper colonies outside of society, expelled from society. That's the kingdom of the world. That's the way of the world. That's the worldview. You're unclean, leave. What does Jesus do? Bringing his kingdom to earth. Jesus steps into 12 lepers. He loves them, has compassion on them, and he heals every one of them. And then he loves them, he holds them. These scriptures and these stories have to land on us because they have to change and understand this thing that your worldview has to come into submission to Jesus' kingdom. Your worldview has to come into submission to Jesus' worldview. Otherwise, those two worldviews will constantly be at war within your soul. Constantly. So we have to pick a line. We say, I choose Jesus as king and his kingdom, or I choose this world, and I'll try, bring a a little bit of Jesus on the side. The kingdom of God is a big thing. It changes everything. God's kingdom is so unbelievably different. And we know that the, that the kingdom of God or heaven is something that consumed Jesus. I think it should consume us. If you're a businessman, you're a kingdom advancing man or woman who has been given giftings by God to advance his kingdom in a space and a place far beyond the four walls of the church. If you're a nurse, You're a kingdom advancing weapon, a bazooka into the heavenly realms, equipped with skills and giftings, who just happens to operate and reveal Jesus in an environment called a hospital. If you're a mother, you're a kingdom advancing weapon, raising and releasing leaders and people who step into kingdom advancing stories. The problem is we dumb it down and we don't see what he sees. When we saw the lepers with a worldview, we would just shout, 12 lepers, unclean. But when we look with a worldview of Jesus, his perspective, we see something different. You know the story, and, 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 and Paul he arrives at a, at, a, at a funeral of a little girl. Arrives at the funeral of a little girl, and they're praying, and, and it's a Peter. I've had a blank. Peter. He arrives at the funeral of a little girl and everyone's mourning. She's been dead for days. She's wrapped in clothes. It's done. And the worldview is, it's done. Let us mourn well now. Let us do these things well now. 
But he'd walked with Jesus. He'd seen Jesus. He had something of the heart of God explode inside of him. And he arrives at what should be a moment. We'll just keep quiet, keep it subdued. Don't ruin the moment, Peter. He steps and he says, can I have a moment? And what does he do? He prays for the kingdom of God to invade, for life to come into dead bones, and a little girl comes alive again, and he completely ruins the moment. But life, life. And I'm just telling you these stories to throw things at you because I think what we like doing is we like taking Jesus and then pushing him through some kind of funnel, some kind of thing that makes sense to us, our worldview, and he must fit into that worldview. And when he fits into that worldview, we can plug into that story. And he's saying he's not asking us to fit him into our worldview. He's asking us to be plugged into his big story called the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Does that get you? Is there something exciting about you? Is there something risky about it? For sure. But that's the exhilaration of walking with Jesus. He's spending time in his presence. And there's two things that he stated about his, his kingdom. The first one is that the knowledge and awareness of his kingdom would bring his disciples eternal hope that would sustain them through the persecution and trials. He's speaking to them about the kingdom. He's saying, the kingdom that is to come. He explains that there's a fullness. When he returns, the fullness of his kingdom will come. And he's putting hope inside of them that a day will come where there will be no pain, where there will be no suffering, where there will be no sickness. That day will come. And it births inside of us a hope. Why are we a people where hope exists? It doesn't matter what. Because we know that the king is on his throne. And as long as the king Jesus is on his throne, his kingdom is coming. The second point that, that Jesus presents and he shows us is that the word of God tells us that it's a very present spiritual reality as well. So Mark, what are you saying? It's this kingdom to come, yes. But it's also available and with us now. Well, yes, Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's because the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our stories, in our lives, in our churches, in your businesses, because the Holy Spirit is operating. There is an access point. There is a way to pulling more of that kingdom that is to come into this space now. It's an awkward place to be. We live in an awkward time. When there is the fullness to come, and yet we are called to press in and access more. And I want to encourage us this morning. A couple of scriptures, a little bit more of a teaching, but I think it fashions and it shapes and it gives us a grid to understand that, that there's fullness coming, but we can access and we can press in. Why do we pray? Why do we fast? Why do we contend? Why do we push in for more? Because there's the promise of more in Jesus and there's the promise of more in the Holy Spirit. John Wesley said, set me on fire and let them watch me burn. When you look at the great men and women who've achieved much for Jesus, there was this unwavering faith and hope and determination and willingness to keep pressing on for the more, keep pressing in for more of God and more of His kingdom to come in. And I think sometimes we live in a world where what's the right thing to do when you're driving in a car? Anyone. The first thing you do, you get in a car, start the car, and before you take off, what's the right thing? Your seatbelt. Now the challenge is, 99.9999% of the time, you don't need that seatbelt. Ever thought about it? 
I've got three kids. I'm a fan of seatbelts. But 99.999% of the time, you don't need that. And yet we become acclimatized to click, click, and I'm safe. And I think we do the same thing with our lives sometimes. We live with these seatbelt restrainers on. And I think the gospel and the kingdom of God's story calls us to something so much more. But the problem is our worldview and our paradigm is click, keep the safety belts on. I couldn't leave my job and take a risk on that thing because even though God's calling me, how's the safety belt going to work without the salary at the end of the month? I couldn't, I couldn't take a risk and step into that space and pray for someone because if I take that safety belt off, what if they don't get healed? You know it. I know it. We love the safety belts. We can justify the safety belts. They make sense. And I think part of the kingdom story, part of the advancing story, part of the fact that we are Christians and that Jesus Christ and the word of God in the Bible calls us to more. There's got to be an ability to sometimes understand that our greatest and only safety net we ever need is Jesus. His love, his grace, and his promise of an eternity in his presence. Are you okay? Everyone okay? A little bit teachy, a little bit serious, Mark, lighten up. I, I, I look at the king, and I read in Revelation 19, verse 16, it says, On his robe and his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Matthew 18 says, All authority on heaven and heaven and on earth has been given to him. That's Jesus. When we understand that all authority, and it's written, King of kings and Lord of lords, I, I don't think that's written on his skinny jeans. I think that's written on his leg, me personally. King of kings, when the king is on his throne, the advancing kingdom story is there for us to enter into and to step into and keep pressing into. So there's one big idea for today, that the kingdom of God is still to come in its fullness, yes. But because of the promise of his word, we are able to enter into more and more of it now. And that comes through pressing in. Luke 16, verse 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached. It hasn't stopped being preached. And everyone forces his way into it. God is ad- Jesus is addressing, and the context here is, is the, the Pharisees are, are wrestling, and they're struggling, and he's, he's challenging them. And he's calling them to a kingdom story, and they're struggling because part of what they liked is, and love is money. It says in this verse before. And yet he challenges them. He says, there's a kingdom story available. It's bigger than the kingdom of me because I think the biggest kingdom that opposes the kingdom of God's story is the kingdom of me story where I am the king and I am seated on the throne and my world is the highest agenda. It challenges all of that. It breaks in and he pulls us. He says, look at it. You can enter. You can take ground. You can be a part of an advancing, taking ground story. It's not a passive thing. The word, the Greek word, used for forcefully advancing or force in that is biadzo, which means to force or to crowd oneself into. It's not a passive thing. I'm reminded of the lady with the issue of blood, and it says actually the crowd were jostling, and they were forcing, and it would have been elbows, it would have been everything in. For her to get to Jesus through that crowd, she wouldn't have passively just gone, could you, could you, could I? Oh, no, I can't. No, but what if I get in, I get a black eye from an elbow flying because everyone's trying to get to Jesus. 
For year after year, she's had an issue that she knows only one can solve. And she doesn't allow that to hold herself back. She presses through the crowd. She risks injury. She risks everything just for one touch of his robe. She takes off the safety belt of that's not what distinguished ladies do. She takes off the limitations and worldviews of just go to the doctor and keep getting. She takes all that off and she presses into the one who is on the throne, who is glorious, who is the only one able to heal. And she forcefully advances. I want to call us today to a forceful advancing story. And our challenge is the good news of the kingdom of God is still being preached. What's our response? And I might have told this story once in the evening service, but the very first concert I ever went to was Bon Jovi. 1992, standard six. Some of you are going, yeah. It was the first big concert in Durban. The world had just opened up. People were coming back to us, visit us. And Bon Jovi arrived. Some of you are ashamed. Yes, Bon Jovi, John Bon Jovi, love song crooners. And we bought tickets, but we bought the cheap seats. And we were sitting up in the bleachers of Kings Park Stadium. We wouldn't have even seen him. It's like that far. So we made a decision. We we're going to press in. And, and, and we were like in block Z, and we could press into yes. So we made plans, and we, we got through, and it was myself and three or four of our mates, and we kept pressing through, and we got just onto the field. We were like, this is amazing. And then we saw there, and we didn't even know there was something called the golden circle. The golden circle. Glistens. He's basically just performing to you in the golden circle. And we thought, why should we be excluded from the golden circle? So we thought about it and we strategized and we came up with a plan. Create a distraction. Run hard and don't turn back. And I really was about this big in standard six. So it was a big deal for me. But we had to push and we got through. And I'm not saying I'm super proud of it because we didn't pay for those tickets. But we, 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 we pushed our way through and we forced our way into the golden circle. And my first experience of a big concert was unbelievable because I was in the golden circle. I really am spitting a lot today. I apologize, Shirley. I don't know what's going on. I'm just seeing things coming out my mouth. I don't know. I, don't know. I apologize. I really do apologize. We're going to... But there was, I remember it clearly, we had a plan, and, and we pushed, and we pushed, and we got through, and, and we had to push past bounces, and we got past things. There is something of a kingdom dynamic that we've got to be in golden circle Christianity. I've used the term before here, but I'm not going to apologize for calling us to something that we're not called to sit up in the bleachers. And we can process, and we can go through the things, well, what if I, maybe I just sit in the stadium seats, they're comfortable, i got a good view. We can do the same with Jesus. He's over there. I'm happy here. I'm comfortable. I'm safe. I've got a good view. I'm, I'm far enough so that he might not see me. And I can just keep close, but I'm close enough that I can see the action. Maybe you can relate. I can. I love the safe zones. Love it. And then there's, maybe you want to just stand on the back of the field. It's like, I'm, well, I'm a little bit close. I can feel the heat. And I can say I was on the field when he did it. When Jesus healed that lady, I was, I was kind of in the crowd. No, but were you next to her? And were you next to Jesus? I want to be there. And I think the Bible calls us to be pushing and advancing. He says, Jesus called us to pray. He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. 
It doesn't say, thy kingdom come one day in heaven. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he calls us to a kingdom today story rather than a kingdom one day story. And it has to fundamentally change how we live our lives. It has to fundamentally change the paradigms and the grids of which we process our lives. Because he's called us. We don't, you see, we don't have a problem praying for our daily bread today. That's not generally the problem. What's generally the problem is your kingdom come today. Because when his kingdom comes, the implication and the result is my kingdom becomes less. and keeps becoming less. That's the kingdom advancing story. Give us our bread today. And the challenge Jesus is dealing with in the kingdom story is that we settle for something called country club Christianity. And you might have heard me use this term before, but it's a little bit like I'm a country member. I, can, I, I come to the country club, I park over at my pool, and all the action carries on, but I'm just a country club member. And I think Jesus smashes that with every, every story about the kingdom of God. He's calling us into more. He's challenging apathy. He's challenging passive reality. I'm just passively defending, holding the line. It's not enough. The lukewarm scripture. What is he challenging? Passivity. The minute David got passive in his story, he sat down. That's when he fell. He's calling us to a front-footed advancing story, a pressing in story to break through some of the lines. And I want to just look at four ways, four areas to get on the front foot that see us entering a kingdom advancing story. Is that quick? I'll be five minutes. Is that all right? Everyone okay? Mark, you're very serious today and you're spitting at us. I apologize. <laughs> apologize. Just remember the guy in the suit. Very desirable young man. <laughs> the first one, and to understand the kingdom of God and to step into more of the kingdom of God, is number one, pressing in to the person of God. See, we can know a lot about God, and, and we can, I, can re, I can tell you the, who He is. He's eternal. He's unchangeable. He's all-powerful. He's present everywhere at one time. He has all knowledge. He is holy, righteous, merciful. He is God is love. He is glorious. He is long-suffering, compassionate, unsearchable, good, true, incorruptible. He's a consuming fire, gracious, jealous. He's perfect. And these are all the attributes that make up God. And we can know all of them. We can have definitions for them. And even we can have scriptures for them. But I want to tell you, it's not enough to know about him. It's not even enough to pursue his ways on how to do life. Jesus didn't come to show us the Father. He didn't come to show us just the way of the Father. He came to show us the Father. He came to settle for us the way of walking in relationship and leaving the grips of religion so we can enter the raptures of relationship with the Father. You want to enter a kingdom advancing story, press in, push through the crowd, push through the difficulties of I don't have enough time, rubbish. Make time. Get priorities in place. Do the hard yards of pressing through the crowd and press in to know him. And I promise you, your life will kick into a God advancing story. Oh, Mark, I don't want to do that. Just, maybe if I just go support Wayne at side five. No, Wayne's inside five because he pressed into God and God grips Jen's inside five in the literacy reading rooms every day because God grips. And when I'm captivated by knowing him and I desire to know him more and I don't settle back on a, well, if he reveals himself to me. How many know that that's not the way to get a wife? I'm just going to sit back 
And if it happens, cool. God take the wheel. <laughs> Rubbish. We get on the front foot and God burns something and we pursue. And it's no different in a relationship with the living God. To pursue Him, to be on the front foot, to be aware. Taking ground. Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus answered him. He says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He challenges, the, it's the exact same, he challenges in the, in the temptations that come to him. And he says, the only way I survive, and the image is like an eagle with a little eaglet eating out of their parent's mouth, regurgitated food and surviving off that. I survive off the word that come out of the mouth of God. It transforms me. It challenges my smallnesses and my brokenness. It brings healing. I can't do without it. You want to be on a kingdom advancing story? Press in to the person of God. Not the idea. The person. To be baptized. Last week, baptized. Baptismo comes from the, the, the origin of fully immersed. We get fully immersed in the character and the nature and the person of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be baptized. And I want to keep being baptized. Proverbs 8 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Forever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. You want life? You want favor? Press in. Press in to the Father. The second one, and it might seem like the same, but I want to call us to something slightly different. Press in to the presence of God. Not just one day when I was at church and God did something in 1993. Press in yourself. You have access. You don't have to jump through hoops. The problem is we love the disclaimer, well, I, I, I swore yesterday, so maybe God doesn't want me in his presence. Rubbish! That's why Jesus died. That's why the, the curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. So you can enter in with confidence and courage because he wants you there. And in that place, he gives you the ability and the strength to walk beyond your challenges, to step into a life of fullness. That's what the gospel did. It didn't now, well, now I'm saved. Now I have to abide by all the rules. And when I fall, he's going to drop. No, his presence never leaves. And I struggle with the perspective that the Holy Spirit's like a pigeon. He just, he'll hang around with all. I, 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 I believe the Holy Spirit is with us. It's our ability to recognize. It's our ability to access. It's our ability to see Him. And the problem is, here's the reality. Sin does get in the way of our ability to see Him. Sin gets in the way of our ability to experience the knowledge of His closeness, His nearness, His presence. Sin destroys our perspectives of Him and ourselves. So do we need to deal with sin? A hundred percent. But understand what God says. He wants you in his presence. Psalm 16 verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pressing in to the presence of God and not just, well, I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. To feel, to know him. Two Chronicles 5, verse 13 and 14. Then the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. It's the manifest presence of God. It's the more. See, three years before we came to Cape Town to lead a church, this amazing lady here, that was her biggest nightmare. 
Honestly, not a biggest, but every fear, every insecurity, every bit of disqualification would ring in her head the minute we spoke about it. But then God got a hold of her. And in four moments of manifest presence of God, and this might freak you out, but in a meeting like this, the fire of God coming upon my wife with her distinguished, quiet Candace screaming under the presence, the manifest touch of God. In four occasions, I saw the courage of God come upon my wife. We wouldn't be here otherwise. And sometimes there's only what God can do in his presence. And it's not the everyday diet and reality, but there are the moments of the waterfalls and the outpourings of his presence that I believe we will never access unless there is an appetite for it inside of us. Unless there is a, I want the more. Some of you were filled and baptized with the presence of God in 1970 and you thought, well, that was it. I'll never taste that again. And I promise you, God promises those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, those who seek him will find him. It's the promise of the presence of God. Press in. Two more and then we're finished. The the third one, the power of God. The 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Of power. One Acts 1 verse 8, the Spirit of God came upon him for power so the gospel could go to the ends of the earth. See, sometimes the challenge of church and the challenge of us gathering in safe spaces is we can sometimes do what we do without the power, the manifest power of God in our midst. And I'm telling you, it's too low a standard. We've got to press in. Oh, but the, but, but the last time I pressed in, You've heard me tell the story before, but I was in the the death room for three weeks of a little boy who had cancer, whose head swelled up two and a half times the size, his natural size. And for three weeks I contended. I was in that room. I was there the moment he passed away. I was there the moment his parents cried out to God, and we cried out to God to heal. And I went back and I was angry. And I said, God, I can't keep pushing in. I can't keep laying on to kids because you didn't heal him. And to be honest, I couldn't put a foot back into Interbeni emergency rooms. I couldn't go back because there was a scar inside and it got me on the back foot. And then the presence of God and in his love and his grace, he calls us back onto the front foot because his kingdom isn't about us. His kingdom's about him. His kingdom's about the fact that he is a healing God and he's calling his people to rise up in faith and to lay hands on kids again. And to ask them, say, God, good and your kingdom is coming in full and we know in that stage there will be no sickness there will be no cancer but in this time only because you are here only because jesus put his feet on this earth can heaven keep touching earth will you press in to the more of god businessmen don't kick out will you trust god for strategies of heaven to save jobs in the marketplace just because you are there will you trust him for those things that is the kingdom of power the kingdom of God advancing. And lastly, the promises of God. He gives us these amazing promises. He says, but so supply all your needs according to his riches. Philippians 4 verse 19, 2 Corinthians 1, 12. His grace is sufficient. 1 Corinthians 15, God has promised us victory over death. Romans 8, God has promised all things work together for the good of those who love him. There are these promises, over hundreds of promises that he pours out over us. Why press in? Because underpinning every bit of you pressing in is the promises of a good God who is faithful. 
And the Bible says, even though the fathers on this earth can give good gifts, how much more the fathers in heaven, the father in heaven, he pours out. Just read Ephesians 1 again and get captivated by what he has done. And understand this, to sit back in passivity. We are not counting. We are not advancing. We are not stepping into the areas of darkness that we call to, oh, Mark, that's your job. That's, that's someone else's job to step into the brokenness world. No, are you in the marketplace? Then you are a kingdom weapon, ready and loaded. I don't care if you've been saved for one hour. Bible says in Ephesians, you are, you are marked, you are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. If you have been saved for one hour and you've never read one book of the Bible, but the presence of God and the Spirit of God is inside of you, there is something inside of you that is a world changer dynamic. And your only response, say, God, I trust you and I trust your promises. And I want to step into them more. I want to live in the golden circle of Christian living because you paid the price. It's a big thing. The gospel doesn't let us just choose. It's a lie we believe. I can, I can just choose. I can choose passivity. Someone else will advance. And what I'll do is I'll chuck some bucks their way so they can advance in your story. And I promise you, God's going to get into your story. He's going to get into your heart because he wants you on a kingdom advancing story in every area of your life.